This episode of Good Sheilas is brought to you by PeriFit. PeriFit is a Kegel exerciser that lets you control video games with your pelvic floor. I say Kegel. Who cares? Anyway, who cares? <laughs> fun. So gone are the days of boring Kegel exercises that we either hate or neglect doing completely. Hooray! PeriFit are offering Good Sheilas listeners a fifteen percent discount on their products. Just apply the promo Good Sheilas at checkout and treat yourself to a strong pelvic floor. I haven't wet myself all day. <laughs> Good for you, babes. Yay. Fun fact about Claire. When she was working in the corporate world, she would turn up every day and say, hello, Janine, to the lady who welcomed her in. And every day her and Janine would LOL at fun, cool <laughs> things. At Claire's farewell, her boss said, and now our friend... Marie is going to make a speech. <laughs> and there stood Janine. Claire said, what are you doing, Janine? <laughs> it, was, it was two years. Claire. Two years. I, and, and like, because I'm so bad with names, I make such a point <laughs> of calling people by their names. Janine. Like every time I saw this woman. <laughs> I just completely, but what's even, you know, it was that thing where like, you just can't, you can't correct it. It would have you been can't. disappointing it's been that it was too, too late. She's like, long. I guess I'm Janine now. Hello and welcome to Good Sheilas, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes us all tick. I'm Bron, a comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're longtime friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that has kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilas. Hello, mate. Ah, I'm really well. I'm really well. Do you know why I'm well? Why? I'm going to tell you why I'm well. Because I'm about three wines in and also <laughs> also because I'm coming to Melbourne. Woo! And we this haven't week. seen each other. I know that I am clearly the highlight of Melbourne. Everyone knows that. I'm Iconic. also three wines in. This is going to be a great episode. <laughs> Insane. I'm just, I'm just so excited to see you. I just, I feel like I'm gonna ha- do a festive well, yeah. poo. Oh, you would, Claire. I would. There'll be a definitely a little bit of wee somewhere. A little bit. Everyone wees. Everyone Everybody does it. Everybody does. But I am ex- like, there have been countless trips that have been cancelled. The last, so the, many. we just didn't realise this was going to happen. If, that every trip that you would plan would be cancelled. One happened, and it was about, it was a right before Ari was born I was so heavily pregnant it's like sick to death of everything it was just I was like not in my great self you know not my bubbly self not your bubbly self you were so cross I was like oh, oh like you know you know you get that feeling when someone's not quite right and you get that anxiety like oh god is it me is it me is it me and then you just like you're like I'm going to go lie down now and you it's lay in your room for about four hours and we're sitting outside <laughs> going oh great the friendship yeah. is dead. <laughs> I did ask you to stay outside. It was, it was, I, I was just tired. I was just so I, tired. You know, mate. I'm the worst at pregnancy, but I'm not pregnant anymore. Woo! I'm coming to Melbourne and guess what? I'm leaving my dumb baby at home. I'm bringing my two big children, the easy ones, because they don't need anything from me except for nothing. shelter and food. Except safety <laughs> I can do that. and nutrition. <laughs> I can do, anyone could do that. Anyone. So I'm, uh, so I'm doing that, and then I'm get, bringing my two big kids, and we're going. To, I'm coming to Melbourne, and I've got some really fun gigs. I'm going to see some some of my beautiful friends. It's going to be just like the best time ever. It is going to be the best, the best, the best. Yeah, and so we are both going to be. Well, we, you and I are both going to be at the uh, Moreland Primary School fundraiser we on are. Saturday night. Getting another crew. 
get in lit and get in easy. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I am not a comedian, so I will not no. be on stage because I'm desperately unfunny. No, but I'll that is be not handing out raffle tickets. You will be not handing. Claire, my God, your ADHD is so annoying. You'll be selling them. Oh. <laughs> Here, these are for you. These are for you. You win $3,000. Congratulations. And I no. get to win the raffle, right? That's <laughs> why really, I'm doing it because I'm the winner. You've read the instructions perfectly. I have. Now, Claire and I, if you have ever, if anyone is in Melbourne and thinking, wow, I wonder what Claire and Bron are like IRL, come to Don't the Mullen come. Prim- <laughs> <Well, you're laughs> Primary School <laughs> fundraiser on Saturday, 17th of July. Claire and I will be, uh, I will be performing for a short time and then we will be uh, selling raffle tickets and it's actually a really baller lineup. It like, is it's a baller. Like Ellen good. DeGeneres will be there. Kevin <laughs> Rudd will her. be there. Kevin Rudd <laughs> no, will he's... be like, hey, I'm going to get Pfizer for the nation and also make yes. you all laugh. And Stella now his... lineup. Here's what I said in Mandarin, and then he'll do that. He will do that. He's a show up, <laughs> Kevin. Shut up, Kevin. Oh, but come he on. will be there. He will be there. No, he won't. Selling tickets. <laughs> we'll be selling tickets. Brunswick West insane. Primary School. <laughs> no, come to Moreland Primary School. It's going to be so. I'm actually genuinely excited about this lineup. Lawrence Lung's going to be on it. Like, I don't know if you know I him. I know very well. Lawrence Lung. I don't know many people's names or what they yeah, are. Yeah, that's right. Janine will be lovely. there. He is good. And also our friend Lawrence, who's been on this podcast before. Yeah, he's also a comedian. He's, he's from the Riverina. Uh, and that is big deal. So this is going to be a big episode. I know we both sound a bit loose. We're both probably pretty tired, but I feel loose. excited. I, I feel, feel excited, excited to be too, What are we talking about? Let's do it. We are talking about the football the cesspit Classic. of Australian Classic culture. good sheilers. Gross blokes doing gross shit. We're going to talk about it. We are mm. also talking about locker room talk and why men are socialised to put down other men by attacking their masculinity. Then, mm. Bron, what are we talking about in personal chats? I'll tell you, Claire. You do just it. sit tired. You sit there and do nothing, as always. I'll, <laughs> I'll carry on. We're going to talk about what women are supposed to accept Mm. so this is what's interesting to me is like how we live our lives and we have all of these kind of ailments and we have to be like oh yeah our personalities like yours yes indeed (laughs) exactly like your children and then we have to be like oh that's just what that's just what I'm supposed to feel. Yeah. That's just why I'm supposed to accept this situation, and that's fine. So we're going to talk about it's a big episode, but we're going to we're going to get through we're it just fine, we're aren't we? We're going to do it. We're three wines in. We've got all the energy in the world. I've eaten a whole bag of Maltesers. Let's do I it. I love Maltesers. They were so delicious. My tummy is quite sore. Yeah. Okay. So talk to me, Claire. So recently, so COVID's been weird. And Sydney has kind of imploded, and I understand that Melbourne has had this quite, quite a, like a visceral reaction to this. Yeah. Uh, instead of being um, absolutely apathetic like Queensland is, you guys are like, oh, suck shit. Yeah. <laughs> like this is yeah, finally it's time. Not very nice of us, right? No, but I get it. Like I get it because, like I said last last week on last week's episode. No one gave a fuck about No one cares Victoria. So one of my jokes that lands so well up here in Brisbane is um, I say, you know, like I lived uh, in Melbourne last year in 2020. We lived all the way through that horrible COVID year. Um, and what we learnt in that year, what everyone in Victoria learnt so clearly was just how much the rest of Australia fucking hates Victoria. What? Why does everyone hate us so much, bro? It was an accidental joke because I was like, oh, yeah, accidentally I will say that. And every single time it just landed and everyone was like roaring laughing. I was like, oh, my God, we are – People do hate oh, Victoria. Stock. It's because it's because you guys are I, you guys. I don't know where I am. I'm a gypsy. You're still in Albania, huh, babe. I'm not, yeah. not ready to That's leave true. just yet. No, I'll be back. But it is. Be um, oh, of course I will. But it, it, it. But we do act too good for everywhere else. But we are. 
So this is my issue. So when the I come back, is, the truth is we're both Canberrans, right? This is the ugly truth. We are. Well, I'm from Wagga, oh, and then gosh. and then and then I did most of my growing up in Queanbeyan. So oh, what's yeah. that? Yeah, I mean we're pieces of shit. If there's ever the worst. worst ones, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we did. My brother did um, an ancestry.com. And he Did was like, oh, he? yeah, he was like, hey, Bron, you like you guys, my millions of brothers and sisters, you guys, I'm the only one in the family who has enough money to do Ancestry.com, so I'm going to do it. And we were like, cool, um, just let us know. And I was like, can't wait to see how white trash we are. And they were like, ha, 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 yeah, Bron, it could be pretty interesting. And I was like, mm, it will be so underwhelming, I bet you the $27 I've got in my bank account. And then we did, uh, he got the results back and we are just like white as white can be. Oh no, that's like so 60, oh, 60% Irish, 30% Scottish, 5% British, like something else, Welsh, and then 1% Norwegian. British. Thirty percent mathematics, one hundred percent scientist. So, so we just we have we are just we are just convicts, and then there's some like a little bit of cool Viking, Viking Norwegian something in there, and I'm like, oh cool. So really, really white trash. So I can't like I've never claimed. Yeah, you'd be so so But we'd we'd never claim to be actually very good again why so is melbourne means listening it's <laughs> true podcast so when we both moved to melbourne we're like finally we Somebody matter a bit likes us i feel like <laughs> i feel like i've constantly <laughs> no, been that like 14 year old like it's really you know how when you're 14 like nobody understands me mm-hmm. and nobody sees me Lockdown yeah brought that out of me again because <laughs> like, nobody back. I'm going to cut my hair and I'm going to write poetry on my jeans because no money sees me. So we started a podcast. (laughs) Just privileged white women who are like, we've got enough money for microphones. We're the worst. We are the worst. We are are the worst. You know who is the worser than us? Paul Gallen and Nine News Bay. Those are the peoples. So today we posted okay. on the Insta a fucking horrendous story that made us both really, really bloody cross. And we're just going to touch on it briefly because, again, it's on our it's on our Instagram, so check it out. Paul Gallen has written an op-ed about mm-hmm. the sex issue facing NRL players. So um, people from New South Wales are heading into um, Queensland to play footy because apparently this is something Australia really fucking cares about. No one else can travel. No one else can fucking travel. Exactly. But you get an exemption because you're a sports person. Yeah. And he is pleading for us to all understand that they're human beings and they probably will will probably breach the conditions of the fucking bubble because and they'll need to have sex. Sex, yeah. So this is the thing. They're like, um, there's been people who have uh, who have lost their contracts, their mm. footy contracts, because God, just because they're in isolation, just because there's a fucking pandemic on, yeah, doesn't mean that they should not be allowed to have sex they with whoever they want. They need to get their dick wet because they are Ew. just men I, and we need to understand that, that they are human beings. Yeah. Fuck, man. Like this... Okay, Bron, let's talk about why this is so fucked. Okay, so a number of reasons. Uh, I'll, I'll list off two, okay? Two that come straight to my mind. Um, one is that the footy has a horrific history with uh like sexual misconduct Mm -hmm. like i really think this was a time for footy to be like sex is not a big deal for our culture like we are not promoting it we're not condoning like just like kind of Mm. sex anywhere whichever way they can get it we're not saying that they are above laws when it comes to sex but this article says actually they are above laws when it comes to sex the and second this is the thing couple, that it's like just such a like a, a like a, a fa- like we are relying on 
everybody at the moment to do the right thing. This yeah. is the, the cornerstone of the pandemic, right? But not we need NRL. people to make fucking good decisions based on the safety of the community. Mm. And this guy is saying, but they need to get laid. Come on, give them a break. Like how hard is it to just let them? Just let them. They're blokes. They've got impulses that they can't control. Do you want them to have blue balls? This is your sports people. people. Yeah. And number two is that Everyone has seems to know someone or has been a person who has experienced um, grief where they couldn't actually be there for it. Yeah. So people who haven't been able to travel to go to funerals or if, even if they're in the town where a funeral has taken place, maybe the numbers didn't count them in mm. and... Uh, this has been something that the government or the, uh, has been like, oh no 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 no, your grief doesn't matter. And I get it. Like everyone yeah. has kind we of reached a point, balance, right? Like he's like, I'm yeah. Really, so everyone has lost so much. We've just got to. This is utilitarianism. This is all about the greater good. Yeah, and, these and that based makes on sense. What is good and, for the entire community? And, and I like I told you got, out. I told I like I said. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. Like um, one of my uncles died uh what yeah. during covid and i had to watch it on skype and it was heartbreaking yeah, it was like i was like why the fuck am i not there like, but i understood like i understood why i wasn't there and everything and then this article is coming out saying these guys these and it was name it's not talking about people with partners no. it's saying these single, single guys blokes. are used to a certain lifestyle which means they're used to being fuck boys and they are they they should not be punished just because of this like they're human beings it's like oh my god how is this become more important than yeah someone's funeral yeah how's it how's it more important than you know your your uncle dying and needing to be with your family for it how is it more important than everybody who has lost out on you know birthdays and weddings and christenings why is there sex the thing that we should be forgiving yeah. it's just extraordinary but so what makes you mad claire like those are the two things like that you, you might have a similar things but those are the two things that stand out to me instantly as being absolutely i think i think the biggest thing for me is this narrative that blokes we we just accept and expect that blokes have this overriding need to have sex yeah. this mm. this this need or this urge which is completely completely uncontrollable that kind of circumvents their ability to make good decisions and it also feeds into this culture where we blame women for it as well we're like women are sexy women are being you know like too hot and women have to be accountable for the way they make blokes feel and it's 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 such a layered fucking thing because when you say that guys have no control you put the impetus on women to be the ones to regulate it by the way that they behave. Mm. And so it's just, you know, men can be kind and respectful and thoughtful. They can have sexual urges and they can control them just like women do. But this narrative allows them to be like, well, I was horny and she was hot and I had to do it because... I was, I'm a you know, human yeah, being. Exactly. And that's that's really, it's rape culture. It is rape culture. And the other thing is that it holds up this idea of these blokes in, in football. Again, you, you touched on it. We see it again and again, these blokes who are in these incredible positions of power, who are very strong, very intimidating people who move around the community with a lot more access to things like money and you know privilege than most people do that they are somehow above you know normal social conventions by virtue of playing a fucking sport and that we should treat them differently because of that and that's again that that hero culture that that idolization when they do behave really poorly completely undermines that behavior or the victim survivors of that behavior by saying but he's a good bloke and look at everything else he does for the community it's more important and like the the like i'm just um rereading it right now it's one of the quotes is like it's driving them insane this is this bloke it's driving them insane and they're putting up with it for a week and a half sorry a week and a half of no sex Fuck. yeah can you believe it the guys who might have to do it for two months or so it's going to be a big ass oh my god Ah. Uh, my god i really hope there aren't any breaches let alone a stack of them the game can't afford them but we're talking human nature fuck 
Oh, can you? Yes, it just like, and and the thing is, it doesn't once talk about consent or the women who are participating. It's just these men need women to have sex with to satisfy that urge. It's just we become objects of their lust and satisfaction. It's just horrific. I mean, like, and and then the newspaper is accountable as well. This is like somebody. This passed an editor. This went up. It was approved. So you know this this media organisation. You know name and I news are that they're perpetuating rape culture there's no two ways about it yeah and also the fact that like that just but also like saying to them this is what we expect of you yeah so it's not just just the women who are like oh okay this is what footy blokes are like it's saying to footy blokes we expect you guys to not be able to get through a week and a half without, without sex. sex exactly and if you do have go through a week and a half without sex and not feel like that is like uh impacting you as a human being then maybe there's something wrong with your masculinity because there's no there's nothing about any female sports that has this there's no female sports who are getting in trouble for sex stuff there's no no female sports that's happening this about this is like a masculine this is a toxic masculinity thing yeah and this is kind of condoning their behavior of uh, uh, of this kind of like being fuckboys and also being the kind of um the kind of people who think that sex is, you know, one of the things that is going to get them, going to help them survive, which, believe you me, you can live without it. You can, and it 100. Is. We are testaments to this fact, <laughs> Sheila. We have I both done long trots without the cannot, day. It is possible. I cannot remember it. Good for me. Lucas is having a great life. But... <laughs> But also, this is like it, 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 it's not just like one bloke who's like, this is how I feel all the time. It, this is encouragement, and this is how blokes kind of like will size up their masculinity. And this kind of brings us to our next article that we were talking about that you talked about in the intro is what is masculinity to yeah. other men? So, this particular article is in Nautilus, which is a wonderful science magazine. We really recommend it. It is a um, author, Jordan Shapiro, and he's talking about how to be a feminist father. And he unpacks the response he got from mm. the internet. And it's extraordinary. People, he, he's written a few articles about um, gender and parenthood and then the, the need to um, take away kind of the, the terminology of mother and father from parenting and make it inclusive. Yeah. And he was just bombarded with just men who were furious by the idea of calling him all sorts of very gendered names like pussy and wimp and saying that you know saying that he was a bad bloke because he was you know looking at kind of you know being a more feminist dad and he talks about the fact that men when they attack each other they go for their manhood and I've yeah. seen this played out like, like even in really, really feminist men that I know, like they'll talk about other men and they'll start talking about like if they if they don't get along with them, about things like dick size. Yeah, and totally. So it's like, it, wow, he's got really big balls to be able to yeah. be that brave. Or if they don't like the man, he's like, yeah, like I've got a bigger, you know, like he, like he's just, got a small it's just dick. even even blokes who are really woke, they just go to that kind of hyper masculine manhoodie kind of. Uh, a power thing where they're like I'm bigger and my dick is bigger and it's just yeah. so fucking weird <laughs> so the article says that men so Nautica, Nautica, Nautilus says that men are socialized to put down other men by attacking their manhood mm. so we learn it early in the locker room in the playground and sometimes from our fathers and this is this is like I like I remember the girls' change rooms being this really innocuous place. I know that there was like weird body image things that were happening, but I remember Lucas saying Nothing like, was verbalized, right? Nothing yeah. Was said. Oh yeah. The, bo- the blokes weren't idiot. Like they're in the nude, and if you aren't in the nude, what are you hiding? Why mm. can't we see your dick? Like it's it's a weird kind of macho thing that they have no control over how how big they are or how small no, they are or what like things look are. like. I know. Imagine having that. Imagine that pressure. Imagine that pressure of just being born I am as a smaller dick. man. <laughs> I am my dick. How cool is this, guys? I'm 14. I am my dick. Oh, it's my like, God. Oh, it's so depressing. So depressing. 
so depressing so it is it's interesting like we i know we talk a lot about um how women are affected by the patriarchy a lot uh a lot of our instagram is about how women are affected by the patriarchy and we are and we will be until we crush it but it For which uh, will be a hard yeah. run we're committed but there is like a there is you know men are impacted by the patriarchy yeah yeah just as much in a lot of ways with with not necessarily with like maybe their jobs but like with other ways just for example things like if they maybe are less endowed does that make them less a person and in this article we recognize that this guy is saying actually this is this is like um, it's weaponized. It yeah. is. You are not very cool if this is how you look. I remember watching a documentary years ago about a guy who had like a two-inch penis, oh, and yeah. he actually made a documentary about it. About about it. Filmed himself. Uh, the whole thing was about him. He like actually showed his penis on the documentary. Did he had he? a girlfriend that he was like who he interviewed, being like, "I know that I am." very small how does it affect you she was like it's fine i don't care like what like this is not sex isn't a big deal for me kind of thing and he was like waiting for her to crack and be like actually it's the biggest deal in my life and i remember watching this documentary thinking like at the time god it would have been about like 10 years ago thinking oh my god this man is ruining his life how embarrassing what an embarrassing thing to do and now if i watched it i'd be like Mate, she just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, like, it's just that, that I have no that idea that sex is all about kind of that final outcome of an orgasm and that really kind of porny idea that, you know, it has to be about, you know, like big dick, it's really gross. But like, ew. yeah, I love that. I'm so, gro- I'm so grossed out about dicks. <laughs> but, you ew. know, like I think, you know, where we are both, um, you know, part of kind of part of our feminist philosophy is that women should be able to enjoy themselves, and that is really important in you know any kind of consensual sexual relationship. And <sighs> but yeah, like it's it's just. But I, I guess it's just perpetuating again that idea, and it's it's connected to the football as well. That there is there is a place and uh, for masculinity, it looks a certain way, it behaves a certain way, and anything outside of it is bad and wrong. Mm. And we do have to we do have to look at some of the sayings that we have around blokes dicks that are just mm. like and just not like what a saying that I absolutely am here for and I will not stop saying is a kick in the dick. Yeah, it's it's evocative. Um, I like it too. That's fine, and it doesn't. It's nothing about size. It's nothing about masculinity no. or like being tough. Uh, it, but the ones that we probably need to get away from is like. Um, <sighs> Like oh god, he's you must have really big balls to do that. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Um, or like calling dick people energy? a pussy because they are, yeah. you know, because they're 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 weak or like there's so yeah. many there's so much gender language that we could step away from. But totally. I suppose to the blokes who listen, you know, just just think about how important those daily interactions are. Think about how important it is, you know, the way that you relate to other men and to other women, and just remove gender from your language. So yes, we are talking about. The things that women are supposed to accept. Mm. Yes. So, Claire, we're talking about, like, the things that we as women are every day, um, are, like, just absolutely, t- like, told through and through, this is exactly how you're supposed to be. Please don't whinge about it. Mm, yeah. Please don't think that you're different. <laughs> yeah. Get on with it. It's just, it's, 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 not, it's not even, I guess, that we're told. It's not such so implicit. It's that... We are socialized to expect these things, right? Like, yeah. I think we've gotten to a point now with feminism where you know we've we've kind of we've we've learned that we can you know work and we can have kind of separate um, or our own identities, our own lives, our own finances, and so so on. But there's so many things that we do in the day to day and you know in our lifelong decision making as women that. We, we, we just we, we just say okay well this is just how it is right and in, mm. in, in doing this and researching this and putting it together I think we were drawing very very much from our own experiences of what is in the day-to-day where we're just like shit like this isn't how would this change and yeah. it's, it's actually a really really confronting thing to look at because in one you know through one perspective 
the world has changed so much in terms of, you know, uh, liberating and uplifting women, particularly in, you know, our very privileged Western cultures, but in so many other spaces, very, very little has changed. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, we have, both of us have experienced in a workplace is, or in everyday life really, but really in the workplace, is to be silenced. Mm. <laughs> so uh, we spoke really obviously about footy and women are silenced in that all the time, obviously with all of the rape allegations that they're like, you don't matter, sure, 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 sure. But like in a more kind of like a, a less vile place, I guess we have uh, just the average workplace where women are told shh all the time. So a recent study in America, and we can safely say that this would translate pretty easily in Australia, showed that a mixed gender group, Mm. when women talked 25% of the time or less, it was seen as being equally balanced oh my god that is yeah isn't that bad yeah and if women talk 25 to 50 percent so this is still less than half 25 to 50 percent of the time they're seen as dominating the conversation jesus and you and i have both had those moments where you felt that kind of hot shame of having been too loud I can I remember Mm. so many moments in my life where I've spoken up or spoken out and particularly when men look down on you for it or say things like you know you're being you know and and the the language is very gendered like you know you're very loud or you're very aggressive or you're very strong it's such an insult and because we know Mm. that a good woman is quiet a good woman is submissive and that shame it doesn't matter how much you disagree that shame you feel it in your body. God, that that research is really terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, isn't it? And it's it's quite a, for to be equal for them to th- consider you equal. It's twenty five percent or less. God, it's just to be equal. You have to speak the least. How do you find that play out when you're on stage, babe? I mean, when you're in a group of comedians and you know you're you know I know that you're often the only woman. How does do, do you do you find that plays up? Do you ever feel uh, I feel a moment where you feel like oh god I'm speaking too much or you feel the men around uh, you feel it's actually really like interesting. Too well, much? Yeah, it's a great question. So I I've thought about this um, when I, we were doing the research for this. I thought about how this applied to my current work, which is a comedian, and we are given a time like so you you're either mm. got you know like seven to ten or ten to fifteen or whatever, and then you fill that time. And what I have noticed is. Um, women stick to that time mm. and men don't necessarily so men might, could go for for a, a much longer really and it'd be like okay but women just it's not to say that women are going to they're going to say you spoke for too long but i think that women are uh, women and this isn't just in queensland this is everywhere i think that women understand that when there is a brief <laughs> When there's a brief on how long you can talk, they kind of stick to that. And this isn't every woman. And, like, no. we're, we're very careful and talking on behalf of other people. But I know that in comedy and um, feed, uh, a bit of advice uh, that I was given by a comedian once, a female comedian, which was great advice, which was when they give you a time, like, stick to it because – they won't book you again and I'm like great and I've always done that I've always mm. stuck to the time if it is you know like 10 to 12 I'll go for like 11:59. like I will not go over that time but that advice whether it was just never given to the blokes or whether that advice was kind of like optional for them to listen to i think i really think it's that women are hyper aware of taking up space because they've always been punished for it whereas men are kind of always given permission for it right it's just it's just a lifetime of being enabled or being disempowered which says to you yeah of course like of course if you're if you're set is really good you, you should have an extra minute whereas women are like oh god like you know, I'm taking up other people's space if yeah, I stay yeah. too long here in a, in a position where they're probably feeling more uncomfortable or more intimidated than the men on stage in the first place. And you've talked yeah. about before about, you know, how gendered comedy is and how difficult it is to break in if you're a woman and how, you know, I think very powerfully you've said that 
you have to make fun of and apologize for yourself. I mean, that will play out in every aspect of it, right? Yeah, totally. Instantly make fun of how you look. Yeah. Instantly. And like at the moment now that I'm not pregnant, I'm trying to find it's it, it and it's tricky like I don't know how to make fun of myself mm. instantly when I'm not pregnant. I um without like shitting all over every single woman. Yeah, like I, that's so it's so it's hard, tricky. Mate. It's really like it's, tricky. I'm trying like to find you've a You've got to go for the you know the lowest common denominator right and yeah it's, it's just so shit that to be- belong in that space you have to make fun of yourself it's almost like you have to disempower yourself to you know to earn your place as lesser than yeah and I don't I don't want like you know I can't be like oh I'm fat because one I'm not fat and two there's someone bigger than me in the audience they'd be like oh my god that was an enormous insult to me so it's but it's 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 tricky, but it is definitely gendered. I can't stand up and be like, "Hey, how good's equal pay?" Because they'd be like, "You don't get it." I'd yeah. be like, "Oh yeah, that's right." <laughs> another thing, another thing we came across um, was feeling afraid and intimidated in public spaces. And there's this one particular quote which was run in the New York Times, where um, the journalist interviewed Stacey Fu, who was a 20-year-old student at a college. She had a solution for feeling safer in her everyday life. And she said the way she did it was to avoid men. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is so easy. so chilling, right? It's so chilling. But the, da- the data mm. we found um, uh, from both Australia and internationally um, indicated that more than half of women regularly fear sexual assault and mm. it's well-founded, right? Because one in six men, women had experienced partner violence. One in two women had experienced sexual harassment. And um, one in six women had experienced abuse before the age of 15. That was compared to men who were far, far, far less likely to experience these things. And that manifests in the way that we behave in the community, right? So, so what did the ABS tell us about how we move around, Bron? Well, yeah, so this isn't like whether you have been uh, been like violently attacked or sexually attacked, mm-hmm. that, like those things are horrific, but it is every woman that is fe- that has a response to feeling unsafe, right? So in 2016, the ABS uh, found that an estimated one in four women, so more, 26%, did not walk in their local area alone after dark because they felt unsafe compared to only 4% of men. Mm. So 26 That's, compared to it's, 4. It's really it's chilling, huge. right? We don't even feel like it's okay to move around in our own communities. I mean, you and I have talked about this before kind of personally. Like, I don't. I often feel really unsafe in the dark. Oh, um, I would never walk at dark alone. Like, home, you just get this chilling sense of how vulnerable you are and how alone you are. And we've both had experiences where that has been totally substantiated, right? It's it's just it, this is an ordinary yeah. part of being a woman of feeling afraid in in public spaces and feeling like you are unsafe. Like even on like a train at night mm. and it's and it's really bright, I'm terrified. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not just it's not just in the dark. It's not just it's not just you know when we're alone. This this one really really stood yeah. out to me because I experience this all the time. I really enjoy weightlifting. I find it really satisfying and a really lovely way to stay strong and stay motivated. But I feel really intimidated in gyms. I often feel like yeah. I shouldn't be there. Like the blokes there like own it. They move around so confidently, and I feel really intimidated. And um, Vic Health um, did some research into exactly why this is. And they reported that half of young women felt embarrassed and intimidated by working out in public and 71% feel intimidated in gyms and exercise spaces. So like oh, even when sad. we're just moving around trying to stay healthy, we don't feel safe. Or, in, we, or we feel intimidated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or embarrassed embarrassment is a horrible feeling like but it just comes to that kind of fundamental idea right we're talking about what we accept and we accept that when we move around the world that we should feel vulnerable that we are less than that we don't belong and I often I often think about you Brum because you're so so brave like you just you you carry yourself in a way that I wish I did because you just had this extraordinary way of just feeling like you belong in spaces. I mean, how how have you how have you developed that strength of and confidence? Uh, I don't know. I probably fake it till you make it. Like um, I didn't feel like that when I was. I don't feel. I didn't feel like this when I was. I don't, like in my 
teens, mm. like I always felt a little bit like I was missing an, a layer of skin. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, feeling just like, oh, God, I just, everyone's looking at me and I like um, everything's a bit, a bit sticky and horrible and I don't like this. And then uh, I don't know where it happened. I, maybe, I don't know, my early 20s and then I, or maybe mid 20s. Fuck, I don't know, but it was a welcomed change where mm. I was like oh I don't care so when you t- and we've had this conversation before you and I in private where you're like I hate going to gyms when there's blokes it makes me feel really yucky and I was like oh I wouldn't even notice if there was a bloke there mm. like I can't even see him like I, I I don't feel like anyone's looking at me because they're not you like know what I realised doing- I had this realisation really recently is that because women, particularly when I was a teenager, like I was, you know, I, again, I, I, I know that this is all about kind of normative standards of what is hot, but I was, you know, the dumpy, frumpy girl, with, like who was a bit weird with bad teeth and like just, or just a bit of a weirdo. And so I always thought that if a bloke didn't find me sexually attractive, that he'd just think I was worthless. And oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty that. fact, isn't it? This has been a really recent realization. And I've carried that into adulthood where basically I feel like if I'm, if a, if a bloke doesn't find me hot, that he's just going to think I'm in the way or embarrassing or like, it's, it's really, it's one of those mm. really awful things that you're like, Oh fuck, I'm 34 and I still think like this. Mm. So I go into a gym where, you know, it's all about comfort and exercise and moving your body. And I just have moments where I'm like, Oh, like I'm, you know, in my mid thirties and, you know, I'm not one of the super hot gym girls. And so of course I'm taking up space and of course I shouldn't be here. And that's such a confronting thing that I've carried since I was, you know, like a young teenage girl. Um, and, and again, that's a, that's a really deeply socialized thing because I've learned my whole life that women have a particular value and they have a particular, uh, worth of a commodity and mm. it is in their physical selves and how attractive and sexually you know how sexually attractive they are and when I feel when I feel like I don't live up to that which is often I feel not good enough oh it's so interesting because I think I reckon when I since having Olive um since since becoming a mother I was like oh okay there's more to this body than what that is. Like um, it's more like my body's not here for you. It's actually here for a million things that I have to do at home. Yeah. Uh, um, it's a, and, you know, my hips are this wide to give birth or my boobs like flop about because whatever this means, like none of the things that you are finding attractive I hear for you and so I I, it and it took me to physically have a baby to understand that these aren't sexual bits of my body they're actually quite practical and so I was like (laughs) oh okay cool I I really I'm I'm still waiting like I, I believe in it you know ideologically and I apply it to other women, but when it comes to myself, I'm not quite yeah. there. I feel like I need to do like ayahuasca and go into the desert and like have like a profound metaphysical realization. I've always said it. Or maybe I've I should just have it. another baby, just keep having babies until yeah. I have your realization. I have 40 babies. I'm like, I'm not there yet, bro. Yeah, no, I can't. Like, I, like I, I just really, like, I'm never at the gym. You know, I'll, go, I'll, I'll feel strong, but I'll never feel like people are looking at me because I look like I feel silly or I shouldn't be there. Mm. I never feel intimidated at the gym because um, I'm like, like, how amazing is it that I'm here? Like, I feel like, why has no one given me a round of applause? Yeah. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. Where is my medal? Exactly. Where so, is my standing ovation? Exactly. This what is, is something, you know, we've, 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 we've talked a lot and tracked a bit, you know, about how we have very different kind of interactions with the world. And I always feel like I've got a lot to learn from you with my confidence and, you know, the way that I, you know, see myself. But the world is also not built for us. Yes. So, Correct. Um, everything from Offices to public transport to cars are designed for a bloke, a typical bloke. Mm. So there's this wonderful book that we can't recommend enough. Um, 
by a woman. The Bible. Perez, called Invisible Women. The Bible. She's an economist and a <laughs> feminist. And she took a deep look at um, how the world is designed for men. So economy feeds into, so economics feeds into the design of things. So you have data and you understand, you know, how things work. And she saw that everything from smartphones don't, that don't fit in our hands to speech recognition software like Siri mm-hmm. um, doesn't recognize women's voices <laughs> and, um, every, and and design of things like fitness monitors and uh, don't actually understand how women move. And troublingly, the same book talked about kind of how this translates to health and death. Um, women are far more likely to die in car crashes because seatbelts and seats and um, and uh, 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 what are those blow up things where you hit a thing Airbags. and it blows up in your face? Airbags. Airbags. Airbags are designed for men. So even though men are more likely to be in a car accident, women are far more likely to die in one. That what, is what have you interacted um, with in the kind of in the, your day to day world that it's just does not work for you, mate? Apart from the patriarchy. Ah, uh, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, so uh, I, I noticed a lot at when I was doing CrossFit, a lot of the stuff was like these are uh, even though CrossFit is a really inclusive sport. They, um, a lot of the stuff was like, oh, these are for blokes, these are for blokes, these are for blokes. And then mm. the women's stuff just, I don't know, there was something quite patronizing about, oh, and the, oh, okay, the women's stuff is over there. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, thank you for my, thank you for my lady weights. And you're like, mm, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, just, it, it was just, it's so, it's so banal and it's everywhere. So you just start to, accept it right yeah you just start to kind of be like oh okay well this is this is probably made for a bloke i will just adapt mm. and but it's also really invisible because we don't see it because it's just so normal yeah and the other thing is like even like some of the jars at home even though i will crush lucas in uh um you would you would murder in him, anything right? like a <laughs> hand so like an arm wrestle i'll fuck that bloke up but like opening a jar my hands aren't big enough to open some of these jars I'm like with it's stupid little hands. hands and like on the like on top of the fridge something's on top of the fridge I'm like I can't see it I have to get a stool to climb up to, uh, to and Lucas just like looks on top of it like he's this like magical giant I'm like how <laughs> are all these things designed for your body and I'm just like you know they you are need, they yeah, are designed for you because they are not designed for yours and another thing that we wanted to talk about today is Claire we are constantly uncomfortable and that is how we're supposed to live <laughs> it is mate medicine is gendered so everything that medical practitioners learn and we're talking about kind of you you know your your standard kind of general practitioners all the way to you know specialists and surgeons and shout out to you know um people in the medical community who are doing what they can to kind of make medicine more specific but um you know the anatomical models that that doctors learn anatomy on from like the dosages for prescription medicine on in clinical trials are based on the body of a bloke so what does Kate Young say about um, about uh, this? So Kate Young's a researcher at Monash University. She says, Medicine defines the female and male bodies as distinct but not equal. Mm-hmm. Analyses of medicine, a medical text throughout history reveals the male body to be constructed as superior and the template against which bodies are judged. Any aspect of the female body that differs from the male or uh, or that cannot be given a male comparative uh, is viewed as evidence of deviation or fault. So that's cute. Yeah, gosh, it's just – and we, we see this, right, manifesting in all elements of our our history with our bodies. You know, they're, they're, this particular article with Dr. Young and it talks about um, – uh, female and male bodies and the way that women's specifically women's issues are often viewed by doctors as hysterical so you know things that, that there's a pathology to uh to to things like um you know endometriosis or you know other other kind of uh things that are centered around female anatomy they're they're referred to as batshit crazy this yeah. is a quote by gps and we'll, we'll unpack this more in another episode because we really really want to talk about it but everything that relates to women and medicine from you know morning sickness to <gasps> period pain to mm. giving birth has really significant 
lifelong issues. And I'd and that, when I had do it right, we just say, oh, that's our lot. When I had morning sickness uh, in my latest pregnancy, I remember just having no filter left, and I said to mm. my GP, "Why is this happening to me?" And she was like, "Oh, um, I don't." Uh, I don't know. And this was a woman, this doctor, she'd had two children herself and had morning sickness with both of them. And she said, mm. there's no real medical explanation of for why this is happening. I was like, the research and the investment isn't there. It isn't there. <laughs> and also recently there was a... Um, yeah. There was a, an Insight episode on, uh, on SBS and it was all about birth trauma and how all of these women came forward and be like, I have had a horrific time in my life since having a baby. These are the reasons, these are the like the physical things that have happened to me that are not only painful but embarrassing and mm. the, that the medical world has like responded to with, oh, yeah, yeah, that's just what happens to women. Yeah, suck it up. You had a baby, be grateful. Yeah, you've got endometriosis, you've got period pain, you've got like yeah. incontinence, you've got this all of these just, things. This is your what journey, you mate. This is, what do, you, what do you expect? So as everyone knows between us, we birthed five babies. Five long pregnancies where heavy babies grew above our pelvic floor, weakening them to the point where jumping on a trampoline was a water sport. <laughs> Gross. But accurate. I bought a trampoline for my kids and it's a daily reminder of how my body has let me down. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of weighing our pants forever like a couple of chumps, we decided to do something about it. So welcome to the party, Perifit. We've teamed up with Perifit because we believe a strong pelvic floor is life-changing. Yeah. It is. It is, Claire, because um, it's an amazing thing that we need in our life. And can you please explain what PeriFit is, Claire? (laughs) Totally. Uh, PeriFit is a cool gadget, which is a Kegel exerciser that lets you control video games on your phone with your pelvic floor. Yeah. Do you say Kegel? I say Kegel. Kegel, kegel, nagel, nagel, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Potato, potato. Yeah, so this is <laughs> this is like for our kegels. So you can download this app on your phone and whack your perifit in and the game is controlled, get this, by your pelvic floor muscles. What the shit? Welcome to the future. <laughs> Finally, we're in the future. You know my motto, Claire. I'll never do my Kegels unless a cartoon bird's life depended on it. <laughs> You've been saying that for years, right? <laughs> and how have you found your perifit, Claire? Look, at first I was a little bit nervous because, I mean, you're basically playing a video game with your fragile. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was so full on. But it's it's really important. 30 to 50% of women have weakened pelvic floors and we've grown to just accept that this is part and parcel of being a woman. No, too many things. Add it to the list. Oh, my God, I'm sick of the list. I <sighs> It's so annoying. But I feel good that we're talking about pelvic floors um, and it's a big deal to have a strong one because I'm bloody stoked that I am about to have a strong pelvic floor and I'm going to smash the pelvic floor a Olympics. You're an Olympian. <laughs> yes, I'm also bloody sick of weighing myself. We both recommend it. Yeah. So go and use the Good Sheila's promo for 15% off a Perifit and save all the cartoon birds that you can. And improve your pelvic floor. Oh, uh, yeah, and that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've been Good Sheila's, mate. What an episode. Many facts. Oh golly, this is an important thing to us. We have, um, we have really, we do want to improve our pelvic floor. We are doing, we're doing perifit. We hope you guys can find a way to do it. If you have a different way, please contact us. We would also like to talk about that as well, because gone are the days of weighing your pants on the trampoline. No more, no more skipping and winging your pants. No more sneezing. No more laughing. We mm. will be we free. Yeah, we will. We've been good chillers. <laughs> we love you guys. Bye. Bye.